Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's like Dinesh D'Souza, whom we've had on a couple of times on the show. It's always great to talk to him. And he has a book right now that's that's super, super timely. Dinesh, isn't it, uh, first of all, good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you on. And isn't it wonderful to complete a book but then wish that you hadn't completed it yet because there's so much more to say based upon the events that are still happening. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The the book feels like it was just uh, carved out of the headlines. And with all these swirling accusations of fascism flying in the air in all directions, and, of course, Charlottesville, these Antifa thugs roaming around the cities and on our campus, uh, this is a book that gives you a roadmap to understand all that. Okay, so this will help you to wade through all you see and hear with your ears in this era. And I think it's become harder than ever to make up your mind because of the the way that things are covered. You really need to dig deep. So tell us, first of all, about the inspiration for your book, The Big Lie. Its, Its title refers back to a murderous tyrant. Yeah, the big lie was a phrase coined by Hitler, and Hitler made the point that small lies are easy to detect. But a big lie is so big you can't get your head around it. So Hitler's point is it's easier to sell a big lie than a small lie. So, you know, we talk a lot about fake news and how the media distorts this or that incident. Um, This is a book about fake history and fake scholarship and the way in which Essentially, the political left has sold a big lie, and the big lie is that fascism and Nazism are phenomena of the right. Uh, The effort to to pin fascism on Trump is just a part of this larger story, and even the encyclopedias, the textbooks, will routinely say Hitler was a right-winger, Mussolini was a right-winger. Now, in reality, Mussolini was a Marxist and a lifelong socialist. Uh, Hitler's party was called the National Socialist a German workers' party. So these were left-wingers, and they were recognized to be so, not only by themselves, but also by their critics. And so this whole notion of moving fascism from the left-wing column to the right-wing column, this was a scam that was pulled by the progressives after World War II. So I'm ultimately writing a book that is about the present, but it's also anchored in a lie that's now 75 years old. But a lot of people, Dinesh, point to the, the president's slogan, America first, nationalism, etc., to kind of uh, validate their point. Right. But my point, Sue, is that that is, I would literally call it fake Nazism. And, I, and what I mean by that is that nationalism is not equivalent to fascism. Remember, I come originally from India. Gandhi was a nationalist. Uh, Mandela in South Africa was a nationalist. All the anti-colonial leaders were nationalists as was Winston Churchill and Abraham Lincoln. Now, does it make any sense to call all these people fascists? No. So clearly nationalism doesn't equal fascism. 
A lot of times, as you know from your own life, and I'm sure this happens to you a lot, people call you names to shut you up and shut you down. And this has kind of become part of the motif that we saw break out in the election season. If you were going to support Donald Trump, you were equated to being a bigot. You were equated to being a homophobe. You were equated to being a racist. How do you how do you help people to defend themselves against these charges? Because when we hear words like that, our natural tendency is to shut up. Yeah, it's to shut up and to back off and also to do what you could call feeble explanations that never work. And so Republicans for a long time were doing that with the race card. In fact, what was was tragic is a former head of the Republican National Committee, Ken Melman, was going to black churches apologizing for the racist history of the Republican Party. Now, this guy's a complete fool. The Republican Party has no racist history. The Republican Party is the party that emancipated the slaves, passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, uh, fought segregation, shut down the Ku Klux Klan, enabled the civil rights legislation of the 60s. So how does, how does this happen? It happens because a guy like Melman is a sucker. He buys into the big lie, and he himself begins to repeat it. So you know a lie is successful when even the victim of the lie begins to believe it. And certainly throughout history, we have seen individuals from the Democratic side of the aisle who have done things in order to stop progress. And it seems to me that they're not called out often enough or else they're reinvented. And you do talk in your book about Margaret Sanger. Oh, the book covers so many people from Sanger to FDR, JFK, all the icons of modern progressivism, all the way to George Soros. Now, this guy, George Soros, is one of the main funders of refuse fascism, one of the so-called anti-fascist groups. But the interesting thing is when Soros was a teenager in his native Hungary, he and a bunch of other guys would go through Jewish neighborhoods, confiscate Jewish property, and turn it over to the Nazi-dominated regime. Soros was asked recently about this by Steve Croft of CBS News, and he goes, yeah, I did that. And Croft goes, well, gee, you know, you were a young boy then, but you're an adult man now. How do you feel about it? Don't you feel a sense of regret or remorse? And Soros goes, absolutely not. All those things were happening anyway. I didn't cause them to happen. And so, so here's my point. We're, we're, you know, if anybody in the Trump administration had a direct link to the Nazis, was actually physically involved in confiscating Jewish property, there, the media uproar would be absolutely deafening. But because Soros is a Democrat, because he's funding the so-called anti-fascists, the left covers up for him. And how about uh, Margaret Sanger, who is uh, obviously part of uh, Planned Parenthood? You say that uh, she was a known racist, right? Well, she was uh, a known racist. That's the least of it. She had something called the Negro Project, which was aimed at diminishing the size of the African-American population. But even more seriously, Margaret Sanger and a group of fellow progressives drew up a series of blueprints for forced sterilization some of the other progressives included what they call euthanasia, which is to say one, one guy proposed lethal chambers to get rid of the sick, the disabled, the, the, uh, the aged, the mentally handicapped, and so on. Well, the Nazis got wind of this from these international conferences, 
And the Nazis go, great idea. And the Nazi sterilization laws of 1933 and the Nazi euthanasia laws of 1935 were based on the models, on the blueprints drawn up by American progressives like Margaret Sanger. You have uh, written about uh, this this group, the this anti-fascist group, um, Antifa, Antifa, however you want to frame it up. And there has been a very slow... Uh, condemnation of the, of this group from the left, and, and they are involved, I, I think, Dinesh, in, in tactics that are uh, dangerous, violent. Uh, they too wear masks and do evil acts. So, tell me about where who who you think they are, and who you think is paying for them, and if you think they should be labeled a terrorist group. Well, they are a. They're a domestic group uh, in America. They dress like Mussolini's black shirts. They carry weapons. They show up in major cities. They threaten people. They beat them up. Their job is to shut down free speech. They drive speakers off the campus. Uh, They run like a sort of paramilitary operation in Berkeley, where it seems like the mayor is one of their allies. Now, this is a very dangerous group. In fact, more dangerous than the white nationalists, because the white nationalists aren't all that powerful. They don't have any political or cultural power. The white nationalists don't have powerful people in academia, Hollywood, and the media cheering them on. Uh, But Antifa does. So Antifa, to me, is, is a little bit like the black shirts of Italy in the 1920s. They're also a little bit like the Ku Klux Klan. When you think about the Ku Klux Klan, which was also, by the way, an extension of the Democratic Party, the Klan guys wore masks. They wore sheets. They covered up their faces. They carried weapons. They terrorized people. They targeted political opponents. So to some degree, you could almost say that the Antifa represents a continuity with the Democratic Party's ugly past. Give me your impression of, of what we saw in Charlottesville, Virginia, in, in terms of its context and uh, how important it is in our history. Because I, I sometimes I think things are just blown way out of proportion, although I want to say this was very, very serious and someone got killed. Where will this be in our historical rearview mirror, in your opinion? I think it will be actually recognized, the event itself, um, as, as a kind of a fraud. And what I mean by that is that this fellow who organized Charlottesville, a guy named Jason Kessler, uh, who, the guy who put on the rally, uh, when you look into his background, you discover he was an Obama supporter. And he was also an Occupy, uh, you know, the Occupy movement, Occupy Wall Street and so on. He was part of that. He was a left-winger. So think about this. How can somebody who is supposedly a white supremacist be an Obama supporter and an Occupy guy? So I think that when we probe into Charlottesville, and the media doesn't want to do this, the reason they don't want to do this is Charlottesville fits their tableau. Here you've got these neo-Nazis supposedly wearing Trump hats. So it fits their narrative that fascism and Nazism are on the right. But I think there's more to it than meets the eye. Now, a further point, of course, is that these groups are marginal. I mean, today, if the Ku Klux Klan were to have a rally anywhere in the country, they'd be lucky to get 200 people, and those 200 people would be encircled by 500 counter-protesters. But the Klan at one time had real power. In the 1920s, the Klan marched 50,000 hooded Klansmen down Fifth Avenue in New York City, Uh, They were going to Madison Square Garden, the site of the Democratic National Convention, and many of the Klansmen were delegates. 
Let me ask you this. Do you believe this situation in our country right now uh, down in, in the Houston area and Louisiana may blow apart the narrative that Americans are hateful racists who despise each other to the core, as uh, some would want us to believe, when we've seen acts of heroism involving people of all colors saving neighbors and strangers. I mean, to me, Dinesh, although this is a terrible tragedy, this event has the potential to unite this country, something that I, I think certain people do not want. Well, I think that's true, but I also think it exposes uh, the nasty strain that we see on the left. I mean, there have been a number of people. There was a professor in Florida, for example, who goes, hey, Texas got its comeuppance. Those guys voted for the Republicans, and so, you know, they had it coming. And so you have all these guys. There was this, you may have seen the cover of the French magazine that basically goes, thank God for the flood in Texas. It's drowning a bunch of neo-Nazis. And so you, you begin to see that even though the actual uh, um, incident itself and all the all the acts of heroism show the best of america lurking back there somewhere in the dark is also the worst of america well i'd like to see the best of america steamroll the worst of america into oblivion yeah that's that's really the, what we need to do and and you, you but you do it not just by emphasizing the good but also exposing the bad and the, the point of my book, the title, The Big Lie, is once you actually know what a lie is, the lie becomes powerless. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. In my last book, Hillary's America, I tried to blow up the race card, which, again, the Democrats were fraudulently playing. And, and now they're fraudulently playing the fascism card. And so I'm taking that on in this new and current book. We, we see through polling, which, of course, was not too accurate in the election last November, that the, the president's approval ratings are not that great. In fact, some call them dismal, that uh, some people believe he is ripping the country apart. Uh, Dinesh, how do you see our president at the moment? Well, Trump is, is an outsider, and he's made some mistakes, and he's obviously had to shuffle his inner team a couple of times around. That's not all that bothersome or surprising. I think what to me is surprising in a positive way is number one, his unbelievable, indefatigable energy. Number two, his willingness to fight on all fronts. Uh, even Reagan would set two or three priorities and let a lot of other stuff go. Trump literally is not only fighting a political battle, but he's fighting a cultural battle. And third, his sort of unbelievable bravery in taking on the media. Uh, no Republican president, to my knowledge, has done this in my lifetime. Uh, Trump is doing it, and it's making the media hopping mad because he's actually calling their credibility into question. The media likes to be a filter, acting as if they're like a mirror in which the country sees itself. They're not actually fixing the news. They're not actually making any decisions and spinning in a certain way. Trump is actually calling attention to the fact that the mirror is not a mirror. And so this is a very interesting, I think, cultural development in America today, and Trump is the man to do it. We had uh, Diane Feinstein make some remarks the other day that weren't really popular with her audience, and she made them in San Francisco, of all places, that maybe, just maybe, Donald Trump will, number one, make it through the entire term, and number two, has the potential to be a good president. Did you faint? Well, honestly, if Trump does that, because the forces against Trump are terrifying, and by that I mean not simply the fact that if Trump was just fighting the Democratic Party, that'd be one thing. 
But Trump is also fighting half of the Republican Party. And moreover, he's fighting the media, he's fighting academia, he's fighting Hollywood, the three big megaphones of the left. So there's all this kind of, um, um, these platoons that are mobilized against Trump, political, cultural, intellectual, and so on. Uh, He's slayed by the comedians every single day. And yet, there he is, he's standing tall, and he has a kind of peculiar knack for being able to, to take a punch and keep moving. Uh, so I think that Trump has a chance to do well, and if he does, quite honestly, this will be a different country. I'm waiting, uh, just like you. Uh, always our pleasure, Dinesh D'Souza. It's always great to hear your voice. When we speak to you, you make so much sense, and I encourage people to check out your book, The Big Lie, and all the other work that you do, which is uh, very provocative. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 